As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back to a new installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It's Friday around 2.30 p.m., August 19th. We've got Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast with us for a quick podcast here, uh, reacting to some of the news from this week with the Hurricanes. We're going to start with injury news uh, because, to me, that's always the biggest news when you're in camp. Uh, it's who do you end up losing. And for Miami uh, – it's going to be uh, a thinner running back core. Uh, the Hurricanes lost Trevante Citizen in last Saturday's scrimmage to a significant injury. Today, uh, we learned that uh, Donald Cheney Jr. is going to be out for a while um, with an injury. Uh, sources that I spoke to uh, about this yesterday uh, informed me they look very similar to the Trevante Citizen uh, injury, which is not good. Uh, and you know, Don is the kind of player uh, who has a lot of injury history already, uh, having uh, missed all, 10 games last year with an ACL. Uh, he was injured in high school, had a couple of issues there with ankles and had dealt with a shoulder here at Miami as well. So uh, that leaves Miami with three uh, scholarship running backs right now, Jalen Knight and Henry Parrish Jr. and Thad Franklin, uh, three healthy scholarship running backs. Now, the person that I spoke to this morning uh, regarding – uh, Cheney said to me that uh, the hope is that he'll be back this season. So I think there's still a possibility that depending on what doctors see, that maybe uh, there'll be a chance. And, and the other good news is that it's not the same knee. It's not, you know, re-injuring the ACL. It's a different injury this time. It's not uh, the same knee that he tore up last year. So at least in that regard, mentally, it's not the same thing for him to have to go through. But Carlos, not good news for the Hurricanes because they want to run the football this year. And it seems like it's going to make it a little harder. Well, I think that's why Mario went out and, and got a Henry Parrish and why you build depth at certain positions that you know are high contact positions because you're basically one play away from being thin at that position. And if you're not deep, if you don't have the amount of guys you can roll in and roll out in case somebody gets, somebody gets hurt or something like this happens, then you're going to have the short end of the stick like we saw last year. At the end of the year, it was basically Jalen Knighton and a few carries sprinkled in for Cody Brown and Thad Franklin. You really only had one guy who was a featured back and not a guy who's built to be able to carry that kind of load. 
So thankfully, they still have three scholarship running backs that are ready to go. I think they can mix in a guy like Rashard Smith in the backfield, have design runs like we saw last year for him with jet sweeps and things of that nature. So you can have a guy to a guy to alleviate some of that pressure uh, from the other three backs and remove some of those carries. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's terrible. These guys are hurt, but it, it at least solidifies the rotation moving forward. Uh, and then when when Don is ready to get back, and when Travante Citizen's ready to get back, they're going to have to work their way from the bottom of the depth chart back up. But at least for now, you know, these guys are going to have to carry the load. And it's a shame that Don Chaney Jr. is hurt again. He's a kid that has had so much potential, uh, has had a lot thrust on him, a lot of expectations. But because of the injuries, has really not been able to prove anything on the field thus far. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him. Uh, I, I know his dad well. I know his family well. I uh, wrote about him when he was at Miami Belen Jesuit. And, uh, you know, just trying to get over the mental hurdle of having to deal with it. Some guys, unfortunately, everybody knows the story about Frank Gore, right? The two, two ACL yep. tears and still went on to have a tremendous career. I'm hoping for Don's sake that, uh, you know, he's able to recover from this one a little quicker than the ACL, which took him a while. And, uh, you know, and I know from, from talking to them that uh, he was starting to turn the corner in camp a little bit. I think in the beginning, he was a little slow out of the gate, his body, you know, just trusting that knee all those kind of things that you go through. And now uh, a, a new injury, a different injury. And uh, we'll see, hopefully uh, Miami can get them back at some point this year because they're going to need it with how much they want to run the football and how physical uh, this game is. Uh, you're going to need some guys. I know that they like some of their walk-ons. Um, in fact, somebody was talking up uh, one of their walk-ons in particular, number 46, who I don't even know. And I, and I, and I told them as they talked up the walk-on, I said, yeah, listen, bro, listen, bro. If, <laughs> if you're going to be talking up a walk-on to me that he's going to get some actual carries in a game, then let's shut this shit down. Let's forget about it. Cause then we're back to the Manny Diaz days. We're back to the same shit we've been dealing with the entire, the entirety of the mediocre, mediocre yeah. run of the hurricanes for the last 20 years. It, a, a walk-on's not going to do anything. That's not the point. That's right. not what we brought Mario over here for. No, and uh, and look, five scholarship running backs should be enough, you know, what you have in your roster. They don't have anybody lined up right now as far as commitments, uh, you know, for, for the running back position. All they like this kid out of Dillard, uh, Christopher Johnson, I believe is his name, because uh, he's a super fast kid, another sort of um, Jalen Knighton type, Henry Parrish type back that could be very effective in the passing game. Um, but still, I mean, it's you wouldn't get here till next year. And people are like, well, what about the transfer portal? You can go. No, it's a little bit too late for all of that stuff. You're in the middle of camp. Uh, so Burchard's yeah. and not only that, but I think I, I think the, the 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 sad thing about it is, aside from, you know, it's a, a terrible thing for both Trevante and, and Don Chaney Jr. But I think from a schematic standpoint, had the injury happened to either Henry Parrish or Jalen Knighton, it would be a little easier to deal with because those guys are sort of similar in the way they play. Well, right. Jalen Knighton's more explosive, but they're smaller backs. Um but now you lose the two guys that are basically your combo guys that have a little bit more uh, size, but also have that speed that are more explosive than, than Thad Franklin. Now all you have is basically the, the bowling ball, the bruiser, who's not a breakaway guy, has some shiftiness to him, but he's not a breakaway guy. And then the two smaller backs. So you don't have that guy that's in between anymore. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, and Thad Franklin is just a thumper. You know, he's a guy who... Uh, is going to pound his way past you. And, and Mario mentioned today in, in the post-game or post-practice uh, interview with us that uh, ball security has to be something prioritized a little bit more. I guess guys are fumbling the ball a little bit in practice. 
Look, the one thing I will say, and we'll get into this as well, is the one consistent thing I've heard, and Brian Monroe said this in the last podcast episode. Brian, of course, with WQAM, and he's got special access out there. You can go watch practice, the entirety of practice whenever he wants. But but the overwhelming difference between last year and this year's team is the defensive line. And so those guys are controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, They're certainly physical uh, today, somebody else reiterated to me just how special that group is. They really think it's going to be special this year. So, you know, uh, maybe the offense doesn't have to carry as heavy a load this year because the defense will be that much better um, and and more effective so that, uh, you know, if you struggle the ball, struggle scoring points or moving the ball, it's not the end of the world. The defense is that much better. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, if you want to be in that upper echelon of the conference and, and want to be in the national picture in terms of a possible college football playoff first, I know we're not there yet, but if that's where you want to be. And if you want to compete for an ACC championship, you're going to have to score points. I mean, that's the name of the game in college football. You can't have just one side of the ball be effective and the other side of the ball be basically a hindrance and still be competitive at that level anymore. That doesn't happen. And offense drives the game nowadays, as you see. You know, everybody scores points and those teams that are elite score 40 plus. And if the Hurricanes offense is struggling and they're not getting into that range, that 35 to 40 point range, then it's going to be a long season. It's going to be another one of those eight and four, you know, seven and five, maybe if they're not able to score points, even as good as that defense can be. Maybe because the conference is down, they could still be in that eight and four, nine and three range. But they definitely won't be competing for an ACC championship if they can't score points. Um, now, and the other thing is, it, like I said before, it hurts you schematically if you can't run the ball because Josh Gaddis's offense is predicated upon running the football and using play action to push, push the ball down the field. Um, and, and a lot of what they do in the passing game is predicated on, on play action. So if you're not running the football and they don't have to respect your running game, that's a problem. Now, are they now in a position where they won't be able to run the football because they lost these two guys? No, chances are that the first of these guys that are left now, these three, Jalen Knighton, Henry Parrish, and Thad Franklin, were probably going to get the bulk of the carries unless Don Chaney continued his upward trajectory and or Trevante Citizen just blew up uh, the remainder of camp. So I think they're confident in the guys they have right now. It's just a shame that you don't have an additional guy that's sort of that combo back. And going back to the whole thumper and, and, and you know ball security thing, Number one, Thumper was my nickname in high school. And two, I'm all about ball security, man. And you should be too. <laughs> Thank you for the injection. You gotta of secure you, so we got you. You gotta here. secure the bag, Manny. Secure the bag. We will uh we will attempt to secure the bag. Uh speaking of securing the bag, I got mailbag questions here. So we are gonna get to that here before you have to go. And again, this is gonna be a shorter version of the podcast, but um Couple or we can go things. long. It doesn't matter. Just you won't be able to see this pretty face no, we as can't. I drive off because we can't do as, that. As some of you know, face. I, I uh, I've, I've done podcasts in the past from the parent pickup line, and I'm currently in the parent pickup line, and now school started back up again. So the audience is used to this on my podcast. We all do right. this all the time. All right. Well, listen uh, again, and, and people can check out your podcast at the MIA All Day Pod. How's the uh, How's the project going of breaking down the 83, 87, 89, 91, and it's, it's going fantastic. Uh, just this week, I wrote down on a spreadsheet 1987 national champions, and that's about as far as I've gotten. All right, so we're uh, we're. No, no, I've, I've got some stuff done. I've got some stuff done. It's just not ready. It's just not ready. It'll okay. be out soon. All right, all right. A um, couple of other things to come out this week. Last night, I went to a high school football game, which was fun. I, I know you haven't been in a long time, Carlos, but. Every now and then, it, it's worth it to come out and, and check out uh, some of the local talent and to talk to the kids more than anything else. And um, so I went down to Cardinal Gibbons High School over there in Fort Lauderdale, uh, way east of 95 uh, and commercial. And uh, 
went there with Andre Fernandez, my buddy who used to work with me here at the Athletic, and is now back at the Miami Herald uh, as the number two in command there. Uh, Andre having a uh, you know, having covered FSU last year, he's happy to be home, spending nine months in Tallahassee. But uh, but it was cool because uh, you had Cardinal Gibbons, you had Miami Palmetto, which is home to two Miami Hurricane commitments, the uh, Washington Twins. That would be Robbie and Bobby Washington. And then you had Shamanad, who Hollywood Shamanad, who's you know perennial state champion, power every single year. That team is uber loaded with talent. They've got two of the best five-star wide receiver recruits in the country in uh, Jeremiah Smith and JoJo Trader, but they're 2024 kids. So good opportunity to kind of just go and watch football. And the big takeaway there is that the Washington Twins, uh, uh, Bobby Washington in particular, who's who's a three-star linebacker, uh, he told me after the scrimmage that uh, these reports of him taking a trip to Louisville are not going to happen anymore. So basically, Mario, the moment that report came out from 247 and, and Gabby Urrutia that uh, these guys were thinking about taking a trip to Louisville, Mario got right on that right away, <laughs> called and said, hey, you're not going anywhere. We want you at Miami. So, um, you know, I know it's not a busy time for recruiting and maybe you're not big into it. Um, you know, obviously, we bring Andrew Ferrelli in to talk a lot of recruiting, but interesting storyline that, you know, it just shows you what the coaches are going through while trying to go through camp. They still have to kind of protect their recruits, go after other recruits. This is this job is 24-7, Carlos, is insanity. Um, but that's the kind of, and, and let me tell you, people ate that up. I mean, hey, hundreds of retweets for that little tidbit of news that I shared last night on, you know, two high school seniors to be not taking a uh, or saying that they're not going to take an official trip to Louisville. I know that may not register high for you because you don't, uh, you know, care about the recruiting as much. No, no, as maybe no. Well, first of all, let's let's reassess this, Manny. Go I've ahead, give me your thoughts. That's recruiting. why I brought up the I subject. Care. I, of course, I care about recruiting. I'm just not dialed into it 24 hours a day like a lot of people are. They, a lot right. of people just live, eat, and breathe recruiting. Mm-hmm. I see what happens. I monitor it, but I'm not. I don't. I'm not one of those people that falls in love with certain recruits either. Like, oh, we've got to have this kid. I want this kid. Whoever we end up as is who we end up with. I, I monitor our class to see where we rank and see what these kids are all about. I see some of the huddle tapes to see what these kids look like. Um, but I'm not a guy that's dialed in all the time into recruiting because at the end of the day, like you say, it doesn't matter until signing day, right? Because right. we don't know who's going to end up here at the end of the day. Now, as far as this, this message coming out from uh, Robbie Washington and Bobby Washington, it's great because it shows another level of what Mario brings to the table. Had Manny been here, um, maybe that doesn't happen, right? Maybe these kids hold off on their initial commitment because Manny would have thrown that rule in their face of, hey, if you're going to be committed to the Hurricanes, you can't take any other official visits. And that would have maybe pushed them off at the beginning. Right. Um, the other thing is, it shows that, like you said, this job is not, hey, I got a commitment. I got I can sit back now, which maybe was happening with the previous staff. Now it's, hey, you grind it all the time. You consistently recruit these kids that you have committed to you, because at the end of the day, if somebody comes in. When you're, you're, you're slacking, when you've laid off, when you've taken your foot off the gas and shows them more love and more interest, maybe they're apt to leave because that's the last thing that's on their minds before signing day. Um, and I think the other part of it is, which um, I, I forget the guy's name. He's, he's the head coach with the Panthers. He used to be the head coach of Baylor. Um, he said during a press conference once while at Baylor that you not only recruit the guys you know, that you want to be on your team, you also have to continue recruiting your current team. Mm-hmm. And show love to those guys. And that's something that I think Mario is big on as well, is ensuring that these guys are feel the love and feel the value and feel that, that, that they're wanted at the program. Because at the end of the day, with the transfer portal, if you don't do that, you can have a mass exodus and constantly have to plug holes. 
And you have to sell that vision to guys, especially younger, talented guys, especially as you continue to build the recruiting base and continue to build these classes with more and more higher ranked kids that, hey, you might not play right away. You're not going to be a starter right away. If you get some snaps, it'll be very limited. You have to wait your turn. You have to grow. You have to build and be a part of this program and believe in it and believe in the plan we have in you for you. And don't just take off on us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And, and you have to invest your energy. And, you know, the one thing I will say, and, and I think it's been a big emphasis and, and I talked to one of the staffers, I don't want to give his name away because if I do that, Mario may have them thrown out on the street because they, they're not allowed to talk to us, right. And give us any insider information. But I did have a long conversation the other day with somebody on the staff while I was at practice about just the general overall theme, right. Of the team. And it really, this person said, you know, you really have to bring the level of competition up on a daily basis, right? And by bringing in all these transfers, for instance, on the defensive line, um, you know, and I mentioned how much better they look there in that in that particular spot. You know, guys like Leonard Taylor, for instance, a five-star recruit who has who's probably the most talented defensive lineman that Miami has, he's got to raise his level of play now because he's got a bunch of fifth yep. and sixth-year guys that came in via the the portal, a, a Jake Lichtenstein and Antonio Moultrie, um, you know, guys that maybe weren't stars per se, at other places, but they're good, solid, older players that have four or five years more of experience on them. They're coming in. They're hungry. They want to make the NFL. And so what that does is that elevates the level of play around Leonard Taylor, where now he's got to answer the bell every single play if he wants to start, right. if he wants a starting job. Um, and so I think, you know, in, in that regard, while while Miami has some uber-talented, you know, young players on this team, I think there's, you're just in a position where, you know, now by by going on and bringing in some of those transfer portal guys and 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 testing the older guys, um, that's that's you know it's going to be harder for some of these younger guys I think to get on the field because the older guys are like this is my last opportunity. Whereas a yeah. guy like Leonard Taylor knows, hey, I got two years left right before I go to the pros, uh, and and so but he's being challenged. Those guys are being challenged, and and it's a good thing that it's raising the overall play uh, of the team. Exactly. And, you know, it's that's the way it was back in the day when this program was at its height. Uh, it was competition at every position and there wasn't anything handed to anybody and everybody had to earn it on a daily basis. And and like you said, I mean, the competition amongst uh, the, the different position groups is going to raise the level of play across the board. And that's why also it's critical that Mario uh, continue to recruit these guys and, and on his team and show them the vision and sell them on the vision of the long term in case they're not getting enough snaps, because just as he brought guys in through the portal, other guys can exit. Right. 
All right. Um, let's get to the mailbag here because I want to answer a few questions. And in the end, I really can't spend too much time today talking on the podcast. There's other things I'm trying to work on. It's your wife's birthday, too. We got we to gotta get ready for yes, that. I got hoops in the morning. Speaking of continuing to recruit your own players, this is this is what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. I've got to constantly convince her that she made the right decision. Right. I mean, it's it's just, it's funny how it all translates to life, right? I mean, uh, right. All right. Here we go. This is from Lionel Torres. Uh, that would be Torres Lionel three on Twitter. I Don got excited Cheney. for a second. I thought you were going to say Lionel Richie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Don Cheney misses two and a half weeks over or under. Um, I'm going to say over because two and a half weeks is going to take him into the season. And I'm pretty much convinced he will miss the start of the season. Okay. At the very least. I'll go with you. Uh, what's the word on Brashard Smith? Is he just having a quiet camp or are they trying to keep him as a secret weapon? This is from Brad Leonard and Sane Kane 09. You know, Brashard Smith is an interesting player because obviously he's got Xavier Restrepo in front of him there in the slot. And I think his number one issue uh, coming out of last season was, can you put him on, all over the field? Can you put him on the outside? Is he just a slot receiver? Do you have to line him up in the backfield and just give him a couple plays to remember? I think learning the playbook and getting the playbook down is an important situation here for Brashard if, if his role is going to expand. Now, I do think they line him up in the backfield some now, especially with, with uh, the situation at running back. And jet sweeps with him certainly make a lot of sense. Um, you know, plays where he comes out of the backfield, like the, like the uh, wheel route that he ran last year. I think it was against Virginia Tech um, mm -hmm. where he caught that long touchdown pass. And and so I, do I think he's having a quiet camp? Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways he is. We don't hear his name mentioned by anybody on the staff or even some of the players. But that doesn't mean he couldn't be an effective weapon. And I think now with the loss at running back, his role could expand. Yeah, I think he's going to be more of a situational guy. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that you roll out there 30, 40 snaps a game. I think you'll see him maybe 5, 10 snaps a game, but there'll be specific snaps, specific plays where he's either involved as the main option or as a decoy to help the, draw the defensive way because the defense knows that this guy's an explosive football player. Um, and like you said, I'd like to see him in the backfield not only to get carries, but because when you put him in the backfield, now they're going to have to match up a linebacker or a safety on him. Or if they decide to put a defensive back now, that opens something else up for the Hurricanes. And to have him and Jalen Knighton maybe in the backfield at the same time, it's going to cause some problems for defenses in the past game, in the past defense. All right. This is uh, from Richard Fletcher Jr. That would be R-C-H-Y Fletcher on Twitter. What 11 guys are you seeing on special teams, kickoff return, punt return? All right. Being completely honest with you, Richard, I mean, we don't really get to see a ton of special teams work. Uh, usually when, when we're there – in the mornings, uh, it's positional drills, it's stretching, ba very basic stuff. We basically get four periods uh, of practice warm-ups to watch. Now, I will say during the open scrimmage, there was a situation where we, uh, not the open scrimmage, but the but the practice that they left open for us in full pads, we get we did get to see them uh, a couple of the return men just fielding balls, and this is just during warm-ups. Uh, I know Jacoby George is working, obviously, on punt return. He's a guy that had some experience doing that last year. Um, I saw Xavier Restrepo back there. I saw Jalen Knighton back there kick, doing some kickoff uh, you know, return work. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson was doing a little bit of return work at, at punt return. In the end, you know, with punt return, the way the game is now, it's so predicated towards um, just fielding the ball, right, not dropping it. And so I think whoever shows the best hands in camp is who you will see in those type of uh, situations. And then as far as the kick return game, 
with Jalen Knight, and you can put them back there and let them be explosive. But now that they're down to three scholarship uh, running backs, my guess is you will see somebody else get those opportunities just to try to keep his his body fresh. Yep, I agree. All right, this is from Stephen Thunder, 56 Blacksican on Twitter. Is it true you have, in fact, been Sebastian the Ibis this whole time? Yes. Is he talking about you, Stephen? As you can see, I've got the the mascot here uh, next to my right uh, shoulder. Uh, I can't show you the the uniform. I have that hidden in the closet. But, yes, I've been Sebastian the Ibis the entire time. Is it true that you have a large Sebastian the Ibis tattoo on your back? That is not true. That is a la, not true. A la American History X. Like no, no, no. I, okay. I I'm not an ink guy. All right. All right. This is from Andrew V underscore seventeen on Twitter. Are you at the point where you're getting nervous about the receivers? Doesn't seem like anyone is stepping up to be wide receiver one. Carlos, I'll let you answer that first. Um. I'm not nervous. I'm obviously I'm a little concerned that nobody stepped up yet. I'm concerned that Frank Lazen hasn't panned out the way they wanted him to. I'm concerned that Keyshawn Smith continues to you know be the same guy and not take the next step. Um, and I'm concerned that the young guys aren't taking advantage of the opportunity. These guys were, you know, highly recruited, highly sought after, had some uh, opportunities last year to show what they can do. And the idea was that they were going to build on that and grow and try and take some jobs this year. And it just hasn't materialized. So that's concerning to me. Um, I think what eventually is going to happen is, you know, they're going to shorten that rotation at a receiver. They're going to go with the guys they feel that are reliable. Um, and it might be more like, like, like we've been talking about, you know, recently, Michael Redding, a guy that, that may not be that explosive, but is more dependable that knows what he's doing on the field that can actually catch the football. And you can count on a little bit uh, to go along with Restrepo, to go along with Keyshawn Smith. And to go along with Frank Ladson. Now, you know, the rest of the guys, one of those guys has to shake out, right? One of those guys has to show up uh, and Jacoby George and Romello Brinson. Somebody else has to stand up and say, okay, I'm going to be the guy, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, I think nervous is an interesting word because I think I have entered the nervous zone as as just as a sports writer with the receiver position because the fact that it's it's continually brought up, not by by any of the reporters or any of the people not watching practice, but by the people that actually watch practice and, and see it. Uh, right. Because there's years where I'll hear it the other way around. Like I'll, I'll hear people say, you know, we'll all sit in the media. We'll sit there and we'll question. We'll say, man, their linebackers really stink. They don't have anybody. And then I'll hear from practice that people actually just watch it. No, you know what? We actually think this guy's pretty good. This year, I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing the, hey, anybody is really stepping up. I think Keyshawn, in some way, there are some Keyshawn Smith fans, people who think that he will be the number one uh, receiver. There are certainly people who are Xavier Restrepo fans who think, uh, you know, in the slot, he will be highly effective and highly productive. But I don't hear a lot of, man, Romello Brinson today went out there and tore it up. I don't hear, man, Brashard Smith is uncoverable. Man, uh, Frank Ladson, what a stud. He's he's the guy. Yeah, Jacoby George looks great. I, I don't hear any of that. Like, I, I just don't. And I have conversations every day with people out who, who get a chance to watch because that's the only way we can really cover this team is hearing it through others' eyes. And and so I don't hear that feedback. And so to be honest with you, yes, I'm a little nervous about the receivers. Now, do I think a healthy Will Mallory and Elijah Arroyo uh, will be very effective in a lot of two, you know, two tight end sets? Yes, I think both of those guys are good enough um, in the way that, Josh Gaddis is going to use them, okay, the way that they sort of played in Michigan last year. 
I think they could be two very effective weapons in this Miami offense. Uh, have, have they been out on the field yet together? No, because Will Mallory's being held out of 11-11 contact because of his shoulder. Um, but I think eventually when these when these guys are healthy and the bullets are flying, you're going to see a better offense at the receiver slash tight end position because those guys will be on the field. Um, but overall, no, I, I think so far through camp, we're, we're not at a point where I'm saying, man, I'm hearing great things about the receivers. It hasn't happened yet. All right. And another I think, question, you know, based on what's Go going on is uh, this offense is going to look a lot more like Michigan last year than previously thought because these receivers aren't stepping up. So you're going to see a lot more backs getting balls thrown to them in the flats, a lot more backs involved in the passing game, more use of the tight ends than we initially thought. I think even more than Gaddis thought. I thought Gaddis, I think Gaddis came in here with the idea of trying to open it up a little bit more than he did last year with Michigan. But seeing what he's got now at the receiver spot, it's going to look a lot more like Michigan. All right. What's the deal with Avery Huff, Keyshawn Washington, and Jalen Harrell? Haven't heard their names all camp. This is Andrew V underscore 17 on Twitter. Well, Andrew, um, first of all, I will say this. It's very hard to hear names in camp because these guys are programmed not to say anything special about anybody. Like, for instance, today I asked Jalen Rivers, who are the best edge rushers that you're facing in camp? Who are the best defensive linemen that you're and, – and my I got the company line, which is everybody's amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I tried to get Jafari Harvey to tell me, well, who's the best offensive tackle or offensive lineman that you're facing in camp? And he gave me a couple of names, not a specific. So these guys are trained, you know, uh, not to answer questions specific to players. So it's very hard to get those answers. And even Mario now and then really will not. I mean, the fact that he called out Xavier Strebel for being the best receiver was surprising, but they really haven't done that for many other positions. Um, so to answer your question, we haven't heard anything about Avery Huff, Keyshawn Washington, or Jalen Harrell. Number one, Jalen Harrell, I haven't seen him at, at camp at all. I don't know if he's still a member of the team. I know he's still on the roster, um, but you know, he may not be playing football at Miami anymore. I know he's not in the transfer portal yet. Otherwise I would have been, uh, you know, been told of that already, but um, Avery Huff, I have seen out there. I have seen number nine out there. Uh, Keyshawn Washington. I have seen 25 out there a couple of times. They're just guys, you know, they're just guys that are out there. I don't know that they're going to play any type of serious role. So to answer your question, uh, you know, look, that's, that's what happens here. Yes. Some guys are four-star guys coming out of high school, um, but a lot of them don't end up becoming anything because when you when you have 85 scholarships and you have 22 guys at start, you have the majority of roster sitting there trying to figure out what do they got to do to play. And I just think some of these guys are never going to play at Miami. I agree. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, once you can maybe blame the previous coaching staff when guys don't get on the field, maybe they don't understand the system, maybe the system doesn't fit them, maybe they don't understand the playbook. And if another staff comes in and they find the opportunity, they can they can pop. Uh, but if these guys still aren't getting any run, if they're still names aren't being mentioned, if they're still not able to get on the field, then it's not the staffs, it's the players. All right. This is from Asher Wildman uh, from Spectrum News. Uh, Asher always sends in questions. Any word on how guys like Rodriguez, McLaughlin, and the new freshman offensive linemen are looking? Rodriguez and McLaughlin surprised are rarely mentioned considering the hype when they signed. Well, um, again, kind of piggybacking off of what I just talked about. Uh, some guys are, you know, in particular, Rod- Rodriguez and McLaughlin. I mean, those are second-year offensive linemen. Uh, when when programs are really, really good, you rarely hear about second-year offensive linemen. Yeah. 
uh, unless they're rushed into the game. Now, Rodriguez was injured. He hasn't been a part of camp whatsoever. I, I don't remember spotting McLaughlin. I think I saw him at one point. I think another. he was hurt too for a while, wasn't he? He he may have been, but I thought I saw him out there at some point. Um, again, none of these guys are going to be part of the rotation in my mind this year. I mean, Miami went out and got uh, you know some older guys that they brought in from Oregon, uh, Sagapolu, who I think is going to be in the rotation on the inside. Um, but you know Miami's lacking for offensive tackles, which is why that you know Mario is hitting the the uh, recruiting trail so hard. Francis Maui Goa. Who they have committed the number one offensive tackle in the country, and then uh, they're trying to get Samson Okunlola to join. I think both of those guys, assuming um, you know Zion Nelson goes pro, are going to come in and be a part of that offensive tackle rotation right away. Again, it, it's it's part of the deal, and I had a long conversation with somebody about this today uh, from inside the U, David Lake. I, I, I feel like there's still probably 20, 30 guys, Carlos, that probably shouldn't be on this roster. There's going to be more roster turnover, and I think next year you'll have a clearer picture of what's going to go on with those young offensive linemen uh, once a lot of these older guys leave, and it's their turn now, year three, to either get the light turned on and compete or, you know, get out. Yep. Um, this is from Tyler Overly, um, T. Overly on Twitter. Should we be concerned with our running back depth in the Gaddis offense now that we're down to three? We've kind of addressed this, but we'll wrap up yeah. with that question because that's the last one we got, but – I'll just say this. I, I think they need four. I think you need four every year minimum. Yeah. And when you get to three, you're going to end up having to put a walk on out there. Now, the hope for Miami is they're so good this year that you're not going to have to worry about what the score is in the fourth quarter. And you can and you can play a walk on up 17, 21 points in the fourth quarter and keep guys' bodies fresh for, for right. the longevity of the season. But that's counting on these receivers stepping up and being really, really effective. And that's counting on guys like Will Mallory to remain healthy and, and in the lineup every single week at tight end. And I don't know that we're there yet. And, and that's why when people say, hey, this team's going to go 15-0, and 0, it doesn't have the depth of a 15-0 team, dude. And yeah, and we know who that person is, Kelvin right. Harris. <laughs> like, and, and here's the other interesting thing. I think uh, because of these injuries at the running back position, not only does it open up an opportunity for Brashard Smith to get some carries in the backfield and get used more out of the backfield uh, and get some stuff drawn up for him specifically to take the load off the running backs a little bit, but you never know. This could be an opportunity to use Ja'Curry Brown also in some packages and zone reads and option things to get more of a diversity in the run game should it come to that point where they feel they need to add something to the run game because now you have a guy on the roster that can actually – uh, you know, take the ball to the house at the quarterback position in the run game and add some diversity and put some more stuff for the defense to think about and have to prepare for if that's the case. Yeah. A uh, couple of programming notes here as we continue. At some point, I'd like to get Roddy Jones of ESPN on with me to, to break down the ACC. Roddy's one of my favorite guys, played running back at Georgia Tech. Very good analyst, knows these rosters up and down. So I'm hoping to bring him on here at some point. Um, and what else? Uh, next week, Miami will uh, begin sort of their school, quote unquote, school schedule um, with classes beginning. So uh, I know that I think Mondays there will be no practices for Miami. That's going to be their off day during the season. And so uh, I think the next time you'll hear from us reporters uh, will probably be Tuesday's practice. So scrimmage tomorrow. Uh, sometime in the afternoon, and and I think Mario put out another one of his videos with very little information, very little things said. Uh, and then Tuesday we will 
um, get back to practice and sort of in a rhythm for the start of the season. We're less than two weeks away, uh, Carlos. Uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up here? No, man, I'm just ready to get it going. I'm tired of the camp stuff. I'm tired of talking about, you know, what's going to happen. How's this guy look? How's that guy look? Let's just play some football. Let's get it going. I need my, my tailgates on Saturday, my home tailgates to get going. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I, uh, I'm ready to get this thing rolling. Uh, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, helps me out. Helps me keep my job. Uh, got a couple of articles up there. There will be an ACC roundtable with Andy Bitter, who covers Virginia Tech for us, with Grace Rayner, who covers Clemson, and Matt Fortuna, who covers uh, Notre Dame and national, um, you know, basically the whole national scene, one of our national writers. So that'll be coming out Saturday in The Athletic. I'll have some more articles here in the coming week, but uh, make sure to follow us here on YouTube. Listen to us, subscribe to our podcast uh, here on YouTube, as well as Spotify, Apple, wherever else you get your podcast. But Carlos, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. And I guess I will see you sometime tomorrow. I will see you sometime tomorrow. And thank you guys again for putting up with our beautiful faces on YouTube. Uh, the, the YouTube audience is growing. So apparently either people are masochists or they're into some freaky stuff, man. Either way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Later.